is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists, where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door, where truth drops like an atom bomb and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. So ladies and gentlemen, can we have your attention? That's really the focus of this episode. And to help us dissect this new attention economy, I've got an expert in the subject. I'd love to welcome to the program our guest today, our co-host, Andrew Hanley. Andrew's a partner at RevMade. He and his wife actually co-founded this company a couple of years ago. And many of you have heard of it and are familiar with it. And I want to give him a chance to tell the story of it. So Andrew, Welcome to the program. Jared, thanks so much. As a longtime listener, first time co-host, I'm really excited to be part of the healthcare rap. And I know that's not how you call it, the healthcare rap, but now I'm being awkward. So you'll notice that that's a theme throughout the day. I'm super excited to be here. Really excited to talk about this, the attention economy. As a middle child, uh, I've been studying this for a very, very long time. So attention and how to earn it, how to keep it and how to get it, how to sort of leverage it to get what you want has been core to my DNA. Irish-Italian family. There were a bunch of kids, a bunch of animals, a zoo-like setting. So I had to, I had to earn my chops early. And uh, you know, I tried to then parlay that into being a rock star. I tried a band. It was a, it was a failure of an experiment, but a really good time and a lot of lessons learned. Um, and actually ended up in the publishing world trying to, again, try and figure out what's the key to getting people's attention, to earning it, to keeping it, and to getting them to change how they think or change how they act. So you know, if we're talking attention, this middle child is uh, rearing and ready to go. I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to, to have this conversation. So thanks for having me, Jared. That's why, you know, just a couple of the reasons why we were glad to have you on the program, because, you know, let's face it, we, we need to be able to understand attention better. And uh, who better than someone who, rightfully so, when I've been able to see you speak in front of people, you demand their attention in a right way. And that's something I've respected about you since we got to know each other earlier this year. And let me just throw this out there kind of as, as a start. You mentioned you and your wife co-founded RevMade. So I want to give you a chance to tell a little bit more about what RevMade is all about. Hopefully this isn't too personal, but I don't know if everyone and, you know, and their wife could start a company together and it be such a success. Tell us you know, how that came about and kind of what you're all about. I'm sure that she'd probably have a slightly different answer for how things are going and, and how that <laughs> how the partnership has, has played out. But but honestly it's funny because we actually met at Penn State a long time ago working at the the Daily Collegian, which was the school paper. Crystal was the managing editor and I was a reporter that was always missing deadlines. And <laughs> that dynamic has kind of stayed with us where she's I say she's the CEO for a reason. She actually founded the company and I joined, you know, I saw a good idea. You know a good idea when you see one. That explains a lot about 
about our relationship, but uh, she was uh, at the Atlantic Media Company in the, in the publishing world, you know, working uh, with advertisers, working with editorial to really create better products that advertisers and audiences would both love. And so it really seemed like an interesting premise. And my background working in brand marketing was a really nice fit where we said, you know, there's this there's this opportunity here to bring what the media does best, which is create you know, amazing stories and really interesting editorial and apply that to brand marketing. So it's kind of our bias and what we built the company around is that brands can actually publish their own point of view and have it drive business results. And that was the hypothesis when we started. And we've been lucky enough to have a lot of great projects and work with a lot of great people where that hypothesis has proven to be true. And we've been having a lot of fun and have felt very fortunate with the success of RevMade and what we've been able to do. And your question about, you know, <laughs> working with your wife and, you know, I like to, I like to view it as a shared hobby and a shared interest. And it's something that we're both passionate about. We're both psyched about, you know, media and the attention economy and sociology and business and all of these different things that we get to, we get to think about and talk about at work. I will say that you know we're in the era of oversaturation due to screens, so I think we had to really take a disciplined approach to... If you've ever been to one of those Brazilian steakhouses and they have the thing where it's like, green means bring me more food and red brings me, says don't bring me any more food, we kind of have to adopt a system like that where it's like, are we at work right now or are we at the grocery store? That, I think, is, is the one thing that we had to, to worry about because work, even if you're in this on your own can kind of bleed over into your free time, your nights and your weekends. And I think the internet has done that to us. And that's been a great thing. But it's also, it's taxing on your mental health and on your happiness and everything like that. So I didn't know we were going to get so deep on the first answer. But the, the long story short is, it's been a lot of fun, really great to build something from the ground up. And I feel like we've been really lucky that the thing that we do is of interest to, to enough companies that we've been able to be in business coming up on three years. And we feel really lucky about that. And like I said, Crystal might have a different answer to how she feels about it, but it seems to be going well so far. And um, you know, our dog likes it that we're, we can work from home a lot more. Well, it sounds like a success all around, just to tell you the truth. So uh, glad to hear that that's how, uh, how it started and how it got going. And uh, really, I, I know that will help as we dive into keeping consumers' attention uh, and really what that means for the content that we develop. And so that's actually the source of our rap battle today. So uh, we're going to dive right into that. Rap battle. Our rap battle is the segment where we challenge an assumption that we feel like has been holding back healthcare marketing. And today we're challenging an assumption that that's it's kind of multifaceted. There, there are different aspects to it, but one piece that we're really going to focus on this false premise that we still use a lot, and I think it's just the way that we've been trained. But it's this assumption that that paid advertising, paid content, is the best way to keep and earn attention. And frankly, we're in a new, what you've referred to uh, and others as the new attention economy. So we're literally living in a different world. And, you know, that has to do with a lot of, uh, you know, just how, how digital content is out there. Just to start off with, I wonder what trends you are seeing in digital content just to begin with. As a student of the new attention economy, and I think that's all any of us can profess to be, there are no experts. There are only people that are experimenting observing the results of those experiments and then getting smarter on a day-to-day basis. So we're all students, you know, the digital layer that kind of exists over our entire human experience is still a new thing. So we're still figuring out what this means 
not just for our brand messaging and for our marketing budgets, but for us as human beings. And so I think that, you know, there's two things. One, even whenever you pay for attention, you can't guarantee that people will be paying attention. And what that means to me is that there's this false premise that if given a big enough budget, you can get the world to pay attention. And the fact is, even when you're paying for it, you have to earn it. And I think that, let's put a pause there for a second, advertising works. You always need to know, you know what time the game is, you know, what the buy one, get one free deal is, you know, when the concert's going to be, you know, what the deadline is. Advertising is a great, great method for getting a, a message out. But it, increasingly, it falls upon deaf ears because we're so oversaturated with the amount of messages that we see, the amount of screens we interact with in a day, the, the demands on our time being a human being in 2018 and trying to navigate life and navigate work and then navigate the information economy. It's very, very overwhelming. So people are using technology, of course, to filter out some of those interruptive messages, but they're also building their own filters in their brains and their, in their minds subconsciously that allows them to very quickly detect when something isn't relevant to them and then they move on to the next thing. And that's kind of the, the challenge that we're up against. And it's paid and paying for exposure to a message is a great accelerant is a great accelerant in the marketplace. There's no quicker way to get your message in front of somebody than by paying for it. Uh, that being said, the central currency of that advertising unit is going to be the make or break factor of if the campaign works. So my whole thing is creating the kind of thing that people would be interested in is what you have to do first and foremost out the gate and then finding ways to accelerate that through partnerships or through paid or through your own earned inbound channels that's the second step. But the central currency has to be content or editorial, something that solves a problem, that educates somebody, that makes them think differently. Uh, whether you're, you're paying to get that message out or you're partnering or you're trying to earn your way out with that message, the central unit of attention is quality content. Uh, and that can be in the form of an ad and that can be in the form of a video or a blog post. But it's really about understanding you know, nobody wakes up in the morning thinking about your brand. They think about what kept them up last night, what they need to get done that day, you know, maybe what they want to become one day. And really starting, unless you're Starbucks, I guess people do think about Starbucks in the morning. But with the exception of them, it's like you really have to think about, okay, who's my person that I need to matter to and what matters to them? And then you build from there. And I think in terms of trends, there's, there's two types of people. Those, there's the, the people that are, are willing to experiment and fail sometimes or learn quickly. So I think fortune favors the bold in the new attention economy. So there's those types of people that are saying, hey, everybody's making it up as they go along. Everybody's a student of this. Let's try and see what happens. Let's develop a pilot or a hypothesis and test it. There's those people. And then there's the people that are waiting for best practices. And there's no shame in waiting for a best practice so you can have a more deliberate approach that's more of a well-paved path. There's no shame, but there's also no glory. I think if you're following a best practice, you're guaranteed ceiling of potential success is second place because you're going to be second to the person that wrote the best practice. So I think that the new attention economy, it, it takes an attitude of always be experimenting, always be listening, and then try things out, pilot things out, see what works, and then see what your permission is uh, in your audience's mind. How can you create value for them that speaks to them in their darkest hour or in their most hopeful moment? And how do you start to build a relationship that will get them to think of you differently, think of you more often, and then act with you at some point? So let's take like a healthcare brand that's just getting off the ground or one that knows it's not 
well-known. It doesn't have a big digital footprint yet. Where do they start to keep and earn consumers' attention? I think it's a great question. And a lot of times that's the, the first question that, that we're asked to answer whenever we kick off a new project. But it really is about figuring out what are your priorities as a business, as a healthcare company? And then what are the pain points that the audience that you need to affect is feeling on a day-to-day basis? And I think that if you've got a small budget and you've got big players in your market, your ad budget will go out the window very, very quickly. There are so many players out there, publishers and platforms, that would surprise you with how quickly your ad dollar can be spent and then cease to exist. So, of course, urgency is going to be mandated by you know, the C-suite, by the executive team. If you really need to drive volume by tomorrow, you may want to have a really focused, hyper-focused ad campaign that reaches just the people that you need to get in the door tomorrow. I think that's one way to think about it. But I always like to think about what are we doing for the long term? How can we provide, how can we create advertising that's an asset that will serve us for years and years to come? And a lot of times that then goes to you know, the realm of publishing. Can we produce something that solves a pain point of our audience and publish it to our site? Can we then find where they spend time in social media, just the slice of the audience that we're trying to reach? And can we bring that message to them in a very targeted fashion with a very clear call to action so that we're creating almost a niche publishing campaign just for a segment of audience that has the most economic upside for our business. And can we start there? And the idea is if you can come up with a template that reaches those people, just a segment of your overall audience, then you have something that you can templatize and try to reach other audiences and to fuel other campaigns. So I think every business is different. Every budget is going to have different expectations with it, different strings attached to it. But I think it's really about if you're solving a problem for one customer, don't think about you know a million people. Think Ryan Brown, who's uh, you know, just a really smart guy. Maybe I'll save him for the shout out. He's Rybrow on Twitter. He has a phrase that I love, which is don't market to an audience of a million. Market to a million audiences of one. So it's really about hyper-focusing on what is one person in the segment you're trying to reach? What is their pain point? How can you solve that? And then how can you offer them a next step that starts to bridge that gap? But in terms of, you know, if, if you need a quick turnaround, advertising is incredibly effective at very quickly getting a message out. Now, it's not the most cost-efficient in terms of spend in the short term or in the long term, but I think that that's the decision you have to make. Do we need to drive transactions in short order, or do we want to build relationships that will generate value for us over time? The best companies are doing both at once. Our company obviously specializes in the latter, where we say, yes, of course, you're going to need to advertise your service line of different procedures that will drive volume and generate revenue, but you know, what happens when the ad spends run out? Can you have content that can rank for you for years to come and search? Can you have content that people can share in social media among their peer groups so that word of mouth is kind of accelerated? So I think it really is about thinking, what do we need short-term and what are we building for long-term? And the best programs take both of those into, into account. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart, but I think that's you know, the nature of the complex world that we live in today. We haven't solved it, but we're experimenting constantly to figure out what works and I guess, I guess we're along the way creating best practices. So I guess I'm contradicting myself. But I think you experiment and you learn and then you develop what works for your organization and then figure out how you can replicate and scale that. 
Everybody wants their content to work But if you're not careful, it'll drive you berserk You need the right partner, but where to begin? Use True North Custom, that's how you win In healthcare content marketing Gotta try something new, cause innovation is king True North Custom, they're the bomb Check it at truenorthcustom.com Hey, we have a new exclusive giveaway from our partners, True North Custom. We're giving a branded infographic to healthcare app listeners. This is a $1,500 value. This digital asset can be used to promote key service lines as well as provide your communities with engaging health and wellness information. It can be shared via your blog, social media, and other channels. Visit bit.ly slash healthcare wrap two today. That's bit.ly slash healthcare wrap and the number two to select your free infographic from the True North Custom Library. It's time for you to spread the awesome. Remember bit.ly slash healthcare rap and the number two, tell your whole crew. Have you come across, you don't have to name names or anything, but have you have you ever had to work with a client who really thought that their, their content uh, was already accomplishing that, that they were already creating content that was going to keep attention and keep search value and you know be out there after ad spends are over, like you were just saying, and, and you've had to kind of give them a little bit of a wake-up call or a reality check. I'm just curious you know, if, if you have and, and how that's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you can you can lean on metrics just a little bit. As an example, you know, Facebook relevance score or open rates on your email list or engagement rates on visits that you're getting from organic search. Those are some indicators of of quality and of value of a piece of content. But it's also it's also about laddering up. You know, did the content drive a subscription to you know or a hand raiser that says, "Hey, I know, I see that you're an expert in this. I want to hear more about this." In the cases where people say, we've got a lot of content, but we just don't have an audience, to me, that's the fly in the ointment. It's like, well, okay, so are you getting it out there? Are people seeing it? And if they're seeing it, why aren't they acting on it? And isn't that the harbinger of, or really the barometer of success? Not that we feel like it's good and it's out there. I've I've talked to so many clients in healthcare and not in healthcare that say, we tried publishing, we tried content marketing, but it doesn't work. And then when you go and you, and the devil is in the details, you really have to take a magnifying glass to this stuff. But when you look at their quote unquote content, it's really thinly veiled marketing. It inserts their expertise clumsily or too quickly into the story. I think that for me, there's content marketing and then there's editorially driven marketing. And I think that's, that's a really good, you know, fine point to put on it. Content is just the presence of information or the presence of stuff. It's a unit of that just says there's something here. Editorial means that there's intrinsically value in it. So I think having that, and we've had this discussion many different times, it's like, are you producing content or are you producing editorial? Editorial solves a problem, delivers a point of view, shares a story that can get people to think differently. Content is just the presence of advertising potentially, but just in a different form. If it's a 500-word blog post and it's five tips about fill-in-the-blank, and the fifth tip is call our hotline and talk to a sales rep today, you've turned off the people who have read tip number one through four. So a lot of people don't have the patience to let quality do its thing. And making that argument is very difficult because people feel defensive, like you're judging their work. And basically what you're saying is, we just have to get the brand out of the way so that we can engage with the audience. Audiences are smart. They know where the content came from. They know where you know who's solving the problem. But it takes patience to allow that to happen. You're not going to get marriage on the first date. You shouldn't ask for it. Um, and I think a lot of marketers are saying, okay, content marketing is just advertising in different forms. Let's get our message out. But really, it's about saying, okay, who are the publishers in this space? And what have they done effectively to earn the trust of that audience? That's what our advertising should be doing too. And publishers are really, really great at understanding the pain points 
you know, the flash points, the interest points in an industry, and then covering that in a very authentic and real way via editorial. That's all we're saying that brands should do is borrow from publishing companies and from media companies what they're best at, but just apply your model as opposed to their model. Their model is dependent on generating ad impressions to provide real estate for advertisers because, and in some cases, drive subscriptions. Those are models that are very, very challenging in this day and age. Brands are in a position where they actually don't have to do that. They can think of themselves as we're publishing, we will be the sole advertiser, we can sell products directly to our audience, and we can also generate leads for our business lines that will have value for the business for years to come. If you can earn someone's attention, get them to have an experience with the, the editorial that you've produced, and then get them to raise their hand and say, I want to hear from you again. That's the win. That's the start of a relationship. And then you can market to them down the road with some of those more transactionally minded messages because you've earned the permission and earned their trust and earned the right to send them messages. So it's a long view. It, it absolutely is not content marketing and edit, launching an editorial publication to build a relationship with your audience. These aren't short-term fixes. But I think we talked a little bit about what are the mistakes people are making. I think people are still making the mistake of wanting things to happen too quickly. I realize that's, that's a tough call to make to their bosses or to their boards or everything like that. But sometimes painting the picture of what can be if we take this slower road that actually is more quality focused, is more focused on solving pain points of the audience, the economic uptick is actually greater than and the cost efficiency is actually better than transactionally messaging out the gate. So I think it's about having a little bit of patience. Again, selling that patience back to your internal stakeholders. It sounds like you know that there you can use data to show that you can explain that there is a long-term play and a short-term play going on at the same time. And the main reason is that it's this new attention economy. I mean, it sounds like it, everything kind of comes back to that. If consumers, if, if we all consumed content the same way we did 10, 20 years ago, then this might not be an issue, and, and these questions might not be so complex. But you know, when we think about other mistakes, I guess, that you've seen that, that your marketers or clients that you're involved with, they've made when they're trying to create digital content, you know, and any other common mistakes you've seen? In terms of mistakes, like it's, it's not in my nature to say, oh, that, that was a mistake and to critique that because I, I believe that people's hearts are in the right places when it comes to healthcare marketing. Um, you know, these are really mission-driven people that believe in you know, whenever I'm in other industries, I always like to joke, hey, it's not like we're saving babies. We're not saving lives here. Well, <laughs> in this industry, we are. And what we do is actually that serious and that helpful. But I think I'll go back to patience. I guess there's a double entendre of patience as like the virtue and then patience as the people you're trying to reach. But, you know, if you think about like what a common, a common goal is in the healthcare marketing world is to get somebody to take like a health risk assessment or take a diagnostic questionnaire that basically says, are you at risk for fill in the blank or should you be a candidate for fill in the blank procedure? And a lot of marketers are like, listen, we need to get people to fill that out. Therefore, let's spend every dollar we have on getting people into that funnel. And a lot of times they think too much about the transaction they're going for and not enough about the path that would lead people to that transaction. So say it's you're trying to get women in your community to get a mammogram, as an example. You know, you can spend a lot of money reaching the people who are demographically appropriate and geographically appropriate for getting that service conducted, you know, within the walls of, of your facility. But a lot of people that aren't already primed to have that interaction are just going to see that and ignore it. 
What if you added to your campaign, not a full-on program, but just one piece of content that is, you know, in the case of Northwell Health and The Well, what we did was a whole series called So You're Getting a Mammogram. So You're Getting a Colonoscopy. So You're Getting a Fill-in-the-Blank. And we created this editorial series, which is a So You're Getting a, and we had a person actually go through the procedure, document it as they were writing a diary or as they were writing a blog post, a first-person perspective of their experience going through that procedure. So now you have an asset that makes somebody you know, less apprehensive because they've seen somebody else go through it. Now you take that piece of content and you put that into your campaign so you can sort of get people that aren't ready to transact to say, oh, okay, that's all this is. I was afraid of that before. I wasn't even going to take the quiz before because I didn't want that to be the outcome, but this isn't so scary. Then you take that up the funnel a little bit and you think of, okay, so the people that aren't even aren't thinking about this at all, maybe or maybe they've heard bad things about mammograms, maybe create a piece of content like we did for The Well called Hate Mammograms, Read This. And it's a story about like the common pain points of why people don't want to get a mammogram and what stops them, and then very gently corrects those myths and corrects those misnomers so that you can get people thinking about it just a little bit differently. And you can keep going up and up and up the funnel with stories that are related to the transaction, but maybe cast a wider net and meet people on an emotional level and get them to, to use your phrase, to pay attention to the message. What we found is by infusing those types of editorially driven content assets into a marketing campaign, we're getting better rates of completion of the, of the health risk assessments because we're kind of we're widening the net and we're leading people along a path and they're more open to it because we haven't just gone straight to transaction. We've started with their pain points and, and sort of earned their way in. Does that make sense? I feel like uh, if we had a whiteboard, maybe I could diagram that a little better. No, but it's kind of like an audio whiteboard, which is pretty pretty cool, actually. And, uh, and I was totally following that. And I think that really ended in the exact place that, that is kind of a great way to, to wrap up this segment of the program about earning. You, you just refer to it as earning attention. That's how we really have to think about things, it seems like. And I, I think these are great insights just to really keep in mind because you're able to explain how we, we don't ignore the business objectives, the growth objectives, the engagement objectives, whatever they are. They're actually wrapped up solely. Like This is how we accomplish them, and this is how we, we get it done. And uh, so for those reasons, I'm going to say uh, well done on the rap battle. Pretty much killed that. Uh, that assumption, I think, will look at things a little differently now. And that's the whole point of this program. So spot on, well done. And you even mentioned a possible shout-out. So tell you what, we can take this time to transition over to the shout-out segment of the program. Shout-out! Shout-out is where we just recognize a person, place, thing, food, a thought, a blog post, an idea, anything that we've come across recently that's caused us to think about the world a little differently. And it sounds like there's one kind of already formulating in your mind there. I was going to give a pretty generic one today, but only because of what it's allowed me to do. And uh, it's kind of silly, but it's a shout-out to LinkedIn. <laughs> which I don't know how many people are uh, giving shout outs to LinkedIn these days, but I can tell you from a, as a digital networking tool, it's just kind of like, it's the old standby, right? It's uh, you can use it as much or as little as you need. And in my case, I've been using it to reach out to folks like you to keep in touch with and share ideas with other people. I can tell you even just earlier this week, 
I posted a, a link to like a one question survey because uh, I was interested in getting just a, a really small, I didn't want to spend thousands of dollars to do crazy market research. I really just wanted a crowdsourced answer to one question of what is going to be the focus in 2019. And I was able to do a quick little post on LinkedIn, uh, share that with my audience, you know, with my network there. And it's amazing the kind of response we get to things like that, where literally like I've posted the same type of thing on Twitter and I get maybe, you know, 10% of the response there. What I've seen is what I've put into LinkedIn, I've been able to get out. It's just a way to keep connected with folks. You know, not everyone wants to be on there and, and, you know, or ever checks it or anything. And that's fine. You know, there are those who have been able to use it as a tool to grow an audience and a community. And uh, for that reason, I'm giving a quick little shout out today. So uh, LinkedIn, there you go. I've got to you know echo that because we were able to connect through that and it's got me here today, Jared. So I'm, I'm super psyched you know, that the internet exists. I think you know for my shout out, of course, I mentioned Rybrow, really, really smart and creative guy. I also wanted to shout out to the goldfish, the lowly goldfish. I think this might be stolen or paraphrased from Andrew Davis, but a lot of people talk about you know humans have the attention span of a goldfish and that's about eight seconds. And let's market quicker, louder. Let's really focus on getting them in that eight seconds, and that's where the magic's going to happen. And I think uh, Drew Davis uh, turned that on its head, where he basically say like. Those same people with the eight-second attention span will also watch eight hours of their favorite, you know, Netflix show in a row. So it's not about <laughs> being shorter or louder; it's about being better. So there's that. And then, if I may, add a third shout out in. It's just breathing deeply. It's exciting and it's overwhelming. And the new attention economy seems very new. Everything's changing. All of this crazy stuff happening, and it's easy to get carried away with that, for better or for worse. So my shout out is to just deep breaths. And like the companies we're marketing in the world of healthcare marketing quite literally are saving lives and saving babies. Let's just calm down and, and slow our roll and realize that we don't have to solve everything in one day or in one second, that the work will be there tomorrow and it's good work and it's meaningful work, but you want to be the best you... I feel like Oprah now. This is rap. I was thinking maybe I dropped some biggie lyrics, but now I'm, I'm feeling more like Oprah. But it's just to breathing deeply and just relaxing and enjoying the fact that we're in an experimental time in, in the world of media and marketing. And that's pretty cool. So that's my, my triumvirate of shout outs. You have calmed me down so much. I've just like, <laughs> like exhaling a little bit more and uh, paying attention to my breathing, a little bit of mindfulness going on while you've been giving your shout outs. Uh, it's been, the, it's been pretty amazing just the last, the last uh, 60 seconds or so. <laughs> No, Jared. I mean, I uh, my heart was racing getting getting on you know on your podcast in, in the in the first place, and I you know had been listening over the past few months since we've met, but I uh, really did a, a sprint through you know, prior episodes, and they're all really good. Listeners, if if this is your first episode, go back to the archives. There's great stuff in there. But I was nervous, and I was and I was excited, and I said, "All right, dude. The worst thing you can do is drink six cups of coffee and come at them hundred miles an hour. Just try and breathe deep." <laughs> and have fun. But I've, I've had a lot of fun. Jared, I really appreciate you letting me be part of this. We're so delighted you've been able to join us. So for any, uh, a good chance for any final thoughts, and then we want to know how listeners can get a hold of you if they want to connect with you. Well, I think I'll really get into Oprah mode if I, if I share too many final thoughts. Maybe that's Jerry Springer. I don't know. I think like in terms of getting a hold of me, LinkedIn, Jared, as you mentioned, that's a great place to connect. I'm always lurking, always listening, and sometimes posting on LinkedIn. And then also at Hanley on Twitter. And then 
the CEO would be would be upset if I didn't say check out RevMate.com. That's his advertising focus that I'll get for the rest of the day. But everybody have an amazing you know rest of your day. I'm glad that you allowed my words to be in your headphones uh, or coming through your speakers. Really appreciative. And again, thank you, Jared, for for this program and for letting me on be a part of one of the episodes. This is really awesome. Well, Andrew, we'll echo your sentiment. If we have some first-time listeners in this episode, thanks for joining us and definitely check out previous episodes. We are on episode 34, which is, it's pretty amazing to actually look back at at how long we've already been able to keep this thing going. Uh, We have plans, we're sticking around, we're not going anywhere. Uh, This program's going to keep going and growing and having more guests like Andrew. So definitely, if you enjoyed this, subscribe to it, uh, hit us up there, let us know what other topics and guests you'd like to hear on the program. And so on behalf of Andrew and myself, thank you. And that's a wrap. (laughs) 